Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for those speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Corey. Hi, I'm Corey. And I'm a compulsive overeater. Okay, so I'm going to pass around some pictures, but I have to give you a little explanation because I'm kind of anal about things. And I put all my pictures in order when I was redoing them recently, and um, from youngest to oldest. And I put them all in this cool thing in order, and then I was like, well, what if they go this way? <laughs> and I'm not going to see the order. So um, you can go any way you want to, even if it's not in order. But if, if you take the, the youngest picture and you look this way, and then you flip it over, then you'll be going along with my will. <laughs> so uh, I am definitely a compulsive overeater, and um, I also have anorexic and bulimic traits, and I'll maybe talk about that. But I'm just a hardcore compulsive overeater. I don't think I was born as a compulsive overeater, although I know some people who say that they were, and I, and I guess we're just all different in that way. I, um, I was diagnosed as a type 1 uh, juvenile onset diabetic at the age of 9, and everyone had their eyes on my food. Even if you're not that, imagine everyone having their eyes on your food, as probably most of us know, especially you know, growing up with food and weight issues. And I learned very quickly, or so I thought, so I convinced myself that if I ate and you didn't see me, it didn't matter. And all these people would tell me things about what happens to diabetics if they don't take care of themselves. And and I just thought, if I eat and you don't see me, it doesn't matter. And I carried that for a long time. And I carried that even into program in the beginning. And and then along the way, uh, somewhere in working the steps, um, and if I think back to it, I probably could figure out where, but uh, we're in working the steps somewhere. I realized that I give a lot of power to what other people think, and conversely, if it doesn't matter if you don't see me, then, you know, then I don't give myself really enough power or something. And so I started to realize it matters. It matters because I matter and because I um, don't want to have all those complications. That, And it's not just being a diabetic. I mean, we all, you know... Food and weight can create lots of complications in life. I'm not alone on that, but um, that's just for me part of my story. So um, in, I, I had to do the math to figure out what year I came in because I had to put it on the release form. So in 1988, I was invited to go to a meeting with my sister in another program, and I just thought I was going to support her because I was just way too cool to need anything else. But I could definitely go support my sister I wound up connecting and, and hearing things that I really liked and related to. And um, I've always said that God works in really mysterious ways because I, had I known that I was coming to a meeting to think that I might get help from you, I, I would have, in the car on the way there, come up with all the reasons why I would never relate to any of you. And I would have gotten here already angry that you all wanted me to do it your way. But I went for her, so my mind was open, my heart was open, and I was able to let some things in and, and, and heard some really interesting things. And so I, I was living in a little town at the time, and I was visiting L.A., and went back to my little town and started going to meetings. And about nine months after I was going to those meetings, and again, God shot, because I never talked about my food with nobody. I mentioned to somebody in my other program, so my heart must have been opening up a little bit, that something about food, I don't even remember what, but something about struggling with food or wishing I could do it differently or why couldn't I or... And she said, oh, I happen to go to OA. And I, and I was like, oh, 
Oh, oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. I don't struggle in those ways. And um, it took me a few times of talking about it with her, but something had me keep on going back to say, well, do you really think I might get help there? And finally what had me come here was she said, well, if you don't like it, you can leave. And I thought, oh, all right, that's cool. So I can come and I can listen and if it's not for me, I can leave. And I needed to know that I had, I didn't want to, like, check in and not check out, you know. Um, so uh, so I came, and I liked it, and I connected here. And I um, I heard you all talk about things that you did with food that really helped me come out of the closet with food. And, and I, the first time I heard somebody say that they ate part of something, felt ashamed, threw it away, walked away, had it speak to them, walked back, take it out of the trash, and eat the rest of it, I, I didn't think anybody was ever going to know that about me, that I had done that, on more than, you know, ten handfuls of occasions. And um, I heard that, and I was like, oh, well, maybe I could share that someday, that I've done that, too. And, and that began my ability to be honest about things that I was ashamed about. There were things, when I gave away my first four step that I didn't think I was ever going to tell anybody else. And even those things I gave away, I told my sponsor about them. So... Let's see. So I grew up in a family where food was really important, and it was very confusing. My family's communication is always very cryptic. Even, like, <laughs> this week, I, my mother's birthday was on the 6th. So the Saturday before, my partner and I took her to LACMA, and we saw this amazing exhibit, and we took her to lunch. And this week I got an, a text from my mother that said, was it something that I said that made you angry? And I thought, the last time I saw you, we went to LACMA. We took you to Marie Callender's, and we said goodbye, and I said, I love you, Mom. But that's, like, so that's cryptic, right? So that's that's my family. So, <laughs> so take that and then shift with to food. And my, my family, my, my dad's mother, who was so all about food, and food is love, and love is food, I think now, knowing what I know about recovery that, and knowing what I know about how difficult it is for me to be uncomfortable, I think that my grandmother probably was just uncomfortable when she didn't know how to show somebody that she loved them and her language was food. But she, she would say things like, are you hungry? No. You want some jello? No. How about an apple? No. I'm not hungry. Really, I'm not hungry. You want you you want a you want a cookie? Okay, I'll have a cookie. And then she'd say, "Should you be eating that?" <laughs> well, I mean, I I won't tell you what I really thought because we're being taped, but it was it was along the lines of golly, but it was you know was a, a little more colorful than that. Um, and that was like how I grew up with you know with everything. I and I know I'm not alone, but. I, you know, I also, it's a it's, after many, many years of program and therapy, it's fun to laugh about it, you know. It took me a lot of years to really realize, okay, so some of the first realizations that I had, bless you, when I was kind of new in program was that, that I wasn't always really hungry when I ate. I didn't know that. Like, I really thought, I must be a really hungry person because I eat a lot. And then I got to see how... When I was uncomfortable, maybe that's when I ate. I didn't, and I, and I didn't know that. I didn't, I didn't have that awareness. I just, there's a, a de- very dear friend of mine who talks about um, not knowing that there was a difference between wanting to eat and eating. And um, I learned that here, that there was a difference. I, I also heard many years ago that 
for every year that I'm in program, I get one more second between thought and action. So at 22 years, I've got 22 sections before, you know, I take some sort of action. And, um, and, and I'll, maybe I'll get to it. We'll see what winds up happening. But it's been a tricky year for me in that way. And there were many actions that I felt like taking that gratefully those 22 seconds saved my behind. So <clears throat> I wanted to, when I was wanting to get abstinent in the beginning, I, um, I didn't really know what that was. It, it was we, we didn't have food plan yet, and so we didn't differentiate between abstinence and food plan. And, and for people who are kind of new, abstinence is, you know, it's sort of, it, it's, it's what we don't eat. It's how, how we set up our program so that we count another day, and then at the end of the year we take a candle. Um, and then a food plan is what we eat and, and what that looks like maybe. And like some people do three meals a day with nothing in between. Other people do other things. So I, I wanted to become abstinent, and I didn't know what that was. And um, what I knew was diet mentality, and I didn't yet understand that it's really different and that it needed to be really different for me or it was a setup. So I set up this, this food plan abstinence that it was so perfect that the great news for me, and I don't know if this is any of your experiences, was that um, when I was on, like I, I didn't go on often on like commercial diets, but when I did, there's an excitement period for me in the beginning of having something new. Like, you get to run over to the sheet and look at what do I get to eat, and okay, I get four of these things, so okay, now what are those things? And then, and there was an excitement for me that usually lasted about two to four days. And then, at the end of the two to four days, when the excitement wore off, then I, I would begin to rationalize, like, oh, this, you know, this uh, protein bar has no sugar and no wheat and um, the right kind of carbs and fiber and all this stuff that was on this plan. But it's about the size of a Snickers bar, right? So maybe they're the same, right? So cut to welcome to my brain. Um, and I could still do that, except except I don't, you know, and I and – I, um, I don't because I, I have 22 seconds between thought and action. I don't because I have tools now that I've learned here, um, and I'll talk about some of those. I also just want to say I was at the birthday party a couple weeks ago, and uh, which is the convention that we have annually for anyone who doesn't know what that is, and somebody came up to me who was from another area outside of, I don't remember if she was outside of L.A. or outside of California, and she told me that she had listened to me speaking at this meeting from the Internet, because I've spoken here a couple times before, and she thanked me. She got a lot out of my share. And um, I just want to say that I'm really aware that right now I'm not only speaking to all of you, and every speaker that speaks every week is speaking to whoever may be out there who doesn't have a meeting in their town, who doesn't, um, maybe not sure if this is a place for them to come or if they're going to fit in here. So I'm aware, like, there's, you know, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm being of service to the community of OA, and, I'm, and for that I'm really grateful. So I've been here 22 years. I shared about that. My family's cryptic. I shared about that. Um, oh, yeah, I was talking about how, so I didn't know that, that, I, that I ate over feelings. And I learned that, which in and of itself, it, it talks about in some of our lit- literature that self-knowledge avails us nothing. I don't quite believe that because I think I've learned a lot by learning a lot about myself. But what it availed me nothing in was my eating disorder. Like I could think, okay, I know that eating X, Y, and Z is bad for me or eating after dinner is bad for me. And so I would say, okay, I'm not going to do that, right? And then feel so ashamed because I didn't have the power to not do whatever that thing was that I was doing. And um, and then I'd wake up the next morning feeling like I got hit by a truck, which is what happens to me when I eat things that, that don't treat me well. And um, 
and I really just wanted to not do that anymore, and I didn't know how to do that. So, and and so how do I do that, right? So I'll jump into that. Um, well, the first thing is when I was new, I wanted to start working the steps. I I knew. Someone said it was a plan of action, and I didn't quite know what the action was or, or that even that I wanted to do the action, but I, I thought, well, I'll try. The step one thing didn't seem so hard, right? I thought, you work the step one, okay, I'm powerless over food and my life is unmanageable. Well, it's not really unmanageable, so maybe we'll just, for me, I only need the first part of step one. And then I started looking at my life, realizing that my relationship to life can get really unmanageable in a moment. It can, like, I, I can way overbook myself and my life is really unmanageable. So I, I got to start to see that unmanageability didn't just mean that you're a skid row drunk in, um, you know, like downtown L.A., that, that it might mean other things, too. It might mean, like, that I just am so not present that I can't tolerate my feelings and all I can do is eat because that's all I know. Like, that might be my unmanageability. So I, I sort of got that, and then I thought, okay, so I've done that, and I'm, I'm done with that one, and I'll just put that one away. So now I go on to step two. What I've learned over the years, by the way, um, is that I, I think that um, – I had a sponsee say to me this week, because we, we just finished step 12 together, and she said, okay, so now we've done all the steps. Now what do I do? And I said, well, here's the good news. We get to do them again, you know, and, um, <laughs> which is actually – the good news is we get to keep on doing them. You know, I, I did all the steps. So step two, I, I wasn't raised with a sense of God. I didn't, my parents didn't believe in God. I don't know. I, my mother might say now if I asked her that she believes in God. I don't know. And then she might change her mind tomorrow because that's my mother. But I was a member of a religion, but very, my religion for me was very cultural, and I enjoyed what we did. And looking back, probably a very spiritual place for me, but it wasn't a very God-centered place. And, and had it been, I certainly don't think that I was the kind of person that believed that there was something greater than me that could help me with this food thing because I felt like I felt like the food thing was this big and I should be able to manage it. And I, what I've learned here is, you know, with the help of the program and the help of my higher power, it, it can be this big again, but left to my own devices, it's like way bigger than me. Even when I was big, it was way bigger than me. So I started to I started to think maybe there was a power greater than myself, which is kind of step two. It's like, can you believe? Okay, so I, I think I'll believe. You, got, you all talk about it. It works for you. Um, I, I don't really, I'm not going to necessarily go through all the steps, but I, but I worked them all methodically, one by one. The first time I went through them, I got to step four and started writing and then fell apart and stopped and then didn't get to a four-step until years later. And like I said earlier, there were some things when I did my first full four-step with my sponsor. She reminded me that the four-step and the fifth step are different. So even though the fifth step is reading your four-step to your sponsor, the fifth step is a very different process. And I, and I was sharing with her that I might possibly be uncomfortable about some of the things that I had done that really needed to go in my four-step, but I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to read them to her. And she said, well, so write them down. And then, you know, when we sit down to do them together, you don't have to read them. You can decide. You can give away as much as you think, you know, and, and keep as much as you think you need to for your – it was a very sort of non-judgmental way of doing it. And there were some things that I didn't think I was ever, ever, ever going to tell anybody, and I wound up telling her. Now, granted, my, my that sponsor had been a prostitute and a madam, and, um, <laughs> you know, and I wasn't. Like, I was, like, on the other side of, you know, that those sort of issues, so – there wasn't a whole lot that I could say that would shock her, but I, I didn't even I didn't even think it through that much. Like I just thought, and and you maybe may be able to relate to this. 
I just thought that there are parts of me that are so awful that if I show you, then you're, there's no way that you're going to be able to stick around. So I got to learn in the fifth step that, that at least one other human being wasn't afraid of my dark side. So, And I continue to work the steps. What I've learned now after working them all many times is, is at this point that I don't necessarily go from 1 to 12 always. But what I do do, in if I'm in the middle of my day realizing that that I'm running self-will-run-riot, then I do like a 4 through 9. I do like a quick inventory where I look at maybe what's going on, what's my part, what are my resentments. I, I find somebody to give it away to. I look at my character defects, which, which doesn't mean that I'm bad and awful and horrible. What that means is that there's probably something that I'm doing that co-creates what's happening. And I had to learn that because I, I, um, I, for a long time, didn't like the word defect. I just thought, I, I can't say defect. It's a defense. It's not a defect. And, um, and now it doesn't really matter to me. Like, it, I suppose it is. I mean, it's a part of me that clearly doesn't, it doesn't help me get closer with my fellow humans and doesn't win friends and influence people. So I, you know, <laughs> I learned to put that down on paper. And then I look and see if I need to make an amends for that. Because I've done that process so many times, oftentimes I'm better at doing the six and seven before I do the behavior, before I scream at somebody. Not that I'm a screamer, but I mean, I guess I'll tell you my life story in the past year. And actually, it's important because it's, um, I learned how to be really uncomfortable and find ways of uh, tolerating and getting support around discomfort without it being food. So... Last May, I, uh, I was riding home from work. One day I was on my bike. I was riding home from work. I got home, and there was an urgent message from my father's neighbor. So I called her back, and after a series of phone calls to the Beverly Hills Police Department, I found out that my father had shot my stepmother and killed himself. And so I came home uh, and found all that in a moment, two of my parents were dead and and you know it, it's been you know I don't know but where are we in February so we're what nine months and and I'm just now realizing that I may never I, I may come up with what I believe happened but it's one of those things in life I'm never ever ever going to know what happened so I I have um been uncomfortable <laughs> I mean to say the least and um I, uh, I, I used to think, like, when this first happened, I thought, I'm, you know, I don't, would never share this. And then I listened to AA speaker tapes, and I think on what they go through and what they share. So I think there's something really important about sharing that, because I think there's a way to tolerate life without eating. Like, I, I guess that's, like, that's the message that I got this year. Not that I haven't had bigger meals, not that I haven't had more coffee or chewed more gum. I mean, I definitely have, but but I haven't gone back to food the way I used to eat, and and I've had to confront a lot of feelings, as you can imagine. So, um, and and of the people that sur- survived, me and three siblings, two step siblings, we all have very different ways of reacting to what happened, um, of being with it now, of being with each other. Um, my stepmother had has two daughters, and they have a very different process to go through than my brother and I do. Although she was my stepmother, and I loved her. And, and I was at a family gathering today, and I, as I was driving home, I thought, I am really uncomfortable. I am really uncomfortable. And then I thought, but I'm speaking tonight. Like, what? And I thought, well, why not share? It's possible to be really incredibly uncomfortable and not use our substance over that because I have another way. So 
<clears throat> I'm going to just sort of titrate back to talking about God for a minute because I think it's so, it's probably the thing this year, God and, and all of you and, um, and also, you know, outside help and all the other things that I've done this year. I don't know how, like, when when I was new, um, and, and when I first started believing in God, and someone said, even if you don't believe in God, maybe try getting on your knees when you want to eat, just as an experiment and see what happens. And um, I didn't think that there was any way that that was possibly going to help, so I was out to prove you wrong, right, which was sort of my deal. And... Um, I was going to prove you wrong. And so what I found was when I wanted to eat, if I got on my knees, it, it lifted. Maybe not in that moment, maybe not in that hour, but if I could tolerate it, it lifted. And so I learned along the way in this program that I learned along the way how to call other people and let people in when I was hurting and or not hurting or when life was going well even, you know, which is which I think for, for addicts is equally as hard sometimes. I know for me it was and is. And... Um, so I, I learned all these things along the way as I was working my program and going through, I mean, I'm, I, I'm not the only one in life that will lose two parents. I think that's, you know, we're all headed in the same direction. If you didn't know that, sorry to break that to you. But, <laughs> and there's no Santa Claus, by the way. Gosh, um, but I'm Jewish, so I never believe Santa Claus. But, um, uh, so, I, you know, there's some things about what I've gone through in the last year that are really... Um, that I really have been able to talk to other people about, like that transition of really getting on a deep level that we're all headed in that direction. And and I, I don't know, but that makes me want to eat. I'm a compulsive overeater. Like that, I think, well, if we're all headed there anyway, why why do I do this? Why 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 be abstinent? If And then I think, because I would miss so much. One of the things that I noticed, and I didn't notice this right away, and I, I didn't notice it when I was eating because I didn't have anything to compare it to, but... I had a relapse a couple years into program, and it was a pretty bad relapse, and there are circumstances around the relapse that didn't cause it, because I, I think I'm a compulsive reader, and that's probably why, but I, um, I was living with a practicing bulimic, and, you know, and it was tricky for me, so I thought my mission was to save her, and when I couldn't, I joined her, and so it, it didn't work, and I, I don't recommend it, and my other program is Alan on, in case you can't guess, but um, <laughs> thank God, um, thank you, God. But I, uh, in, in that relapse, like I, when I was coming out of that relapse, I, I, I experienced, so what I had experienced was the feeling of being clean, the feeling of like waking up in the morning and not having dark circles under my eyes because I had eaten so much the day before or eaten the kinds of foods that for me chemically just don't work. There's certain foods for me that I swear I'm allergic to. And I went to my doctor and said, I think I'm allergic to these things. And I got tested and I'm allergic to some of them. And. Then I found out some other stuff I was allergic to, and I said, no, I didn't want to know about that. <laughs> I didn't really need to know that I'm allergic to chocolate. Could you take that away from your chart? <clears throat> but, you know, not being known doesn't stop the truth from being true, does it? I'm allergic to chocolate. But uh, So I, um, I got the experience of knowing what that was like to wake up and not feel that way, not feel that hungover feeling and feel really clear and not fall asleep at 8 o'clock at night like I did when I was using. I mean, now I still do, but I'm also, you know, 44 and going through changes. So, um, you know, but, um, and then I had this relapse and, and I started eating again. I didn't believe what they said about how the disease is progressive. I always thought that was stupid when people said that. 
and, and then I started eating again, and I got to see how it really was. I, I do think also, by the way, that our recovery is progressive. So if perchance I were to go out tomorrow, I wouldn't lose all of what I've learned here and, and my spiritual connection. Um, but it definitely numbs me when I eat those things. And um, I got to see that by being abstinent and then having a relapse again, and that was the gift of my relapse. But at the end of my relapse, I, I experienced that thing again where I wanted – Every day I wanted to get abstinent. And I would hear people say, it's a gift of God. And I'd be like, shut the hell up. <laughs> I don't care. Um, and, and what I finally realized, so, and, I, and every day I would say, okay, today, you know, my knuckles were white. Today's going to be day one. And then I, and, and, and here's how it's going to be day one. I'm not going to eat this or this or this. I think sprouts might be okay. Maybe cucumbers. Um, you know, maybe a little salad dressing. Yeah. And then I'd be eating again because it was an, I, I set it up in a way that wouldn't work for me. Like I, I mean, that's probably my experience, strength, and hope. My biggest one about a food plan is make sure that it's something that gives you enough food so you're not starving all the time because that just sets me off. So one morning I woke up and I thought, I, um, maybe today's going to be day one and tomorrow's going to be day two unless I leave. Like, I don't know what else I'm willing to do, but I'm willing to do that. And I think at the time I was going to lots of meetings a week. And I, uh, so that was day one. And the interesting thing about that was that my food cleaned up. And it wasn't because I said I'm not going to eat all this list of foods. And, and I'm not saying that's not important because it is. And there are things now that I don't eat that are on that list and things that have to be on the, the list of things that I do eat. And um, one sponsor said a meal has to include three things and it can't be trail mix. Have, you know, nuts and raisins and you know whatever else like that's not three things you just, three things so um so my food cleaned up and I think really what happened in that moment was that I that was step one right because I I let go of what I thought it should look like which actually makes me think about God so I want to tell you about my also my spiritual experiences I am um, I didn't, as I said, I didn't believe in God when I came in. I didn't really see the need to believe in God. I, the people, much like I did when I came in here and I looked at all the people that I didn't relate to and decided the program wouldn't work for me, I looked at all the people in the world that believed in God in a way that didn't, that wouldn't ever be the way that I would practice my spirituality. It works for them, but it would never work for me. And I, or I should never say never, but, but I don't believe would work for me. And so I, I, I didn't ever think that that was going to be possible. So a little bit at a time, I started to see that people that had what I wanted were people that had some sort of sense of higher power. And someone once told me that it could be the doorknob or the tree outside, and I thought, well, nature is pretty important to me, so maybe that's, you know, or go to the beach and try and stop the waves. And I thought, I can't stop the waves, so maybe there is something bigger than me. And I slowly started to see how, like I said, when I got down on my knees, the, the food cravings would lift, and I slowly started to think, well, maybe maybe there is something bigger than me. So I started slowly believing in God. And then there was a time, in if I had the strong belief in God, felt very spiritually connected, knew the things that made me feel connected to that source. And then there was a time where I stopped feeling that connection. And um, I was working my program. I was working with a sponsor. I was working with a sponsor who was very sort of eclectically spiritual, which really worked for me. And I started to lose that feeling of spirituality and that feeling of connectedness. And I still wanted to believe, but I wasn't feeling it. And I called my sponsor and I said, I don't, I'm not feeling it. And she said to me, what, tell me about your concept of God. And I said, well, I went to this retreat once when I was new. And they said, write down on a piece of paper, a one ad for God, what you want your higher power to be. 
And I said, so I did that, and that's my concept. And she said, and how many years ago was that? And at that point, it was like 10 years before, 12 or 15 or something. It was many years before. And I, and I, she said, well, you know, you've changed a lot in the last 15 years. Is it possible that, that the way that you set up what your higher power can be might now be limiting you? Because you've got it set up so that everything on the sheet is God, but maybe God's bigger than that. Maybe God isn't anything that you can define. If God's more powerful and bigger than you, um, maybe maybe you need to find a new definition or let go and stop defining. So it was very scary for me, but I stopped defining God. And actually, much like that day when I decided if I keep on coming back, I'm abstinent, I stopped defining God and my, my faith got stronger, my faith in many things. And I, you know... The last thing I'll say is, of course, this year I wondered where God was. And I think about there are lots of things in my history that, and in the history of the world, not just my history, that happened that I wonder where God was. And I stopped, like it says in the big book, I stopped fighting anyone and anything. And I stopped trying to figure out where is God in all these things and realized, where's God in my food? You know, where's God in my communication? Where's God with my siblings this year when we couldn't get mad at anybody else, so we all got mad at each other, right? Because there wasn't anyone to get mad at. There's no outside person that we could find and take to trial. It just wasn't that way. So um, where's God in that? And that's all I know. You know, I don't know where God is in all this stuff. I don't know where God was last May. But what I do know is that in my recovery, I felt like I've been carried. And that's it, right? So, yeah, I mean, there's so much. You know, 22 years is a lot, but... I guess that's sort of my deal for now. If there's anything you want to know, you can either ask me or call me, and I'd be happy to share. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Questions and answers? Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you very much. Let's talk about how you um, work Step 11. Absolutely. I love Step 11. I have ever since I started to uh, believe in it, power greater than myself. Well, I, Mickey loves the story about how my my experience with meditation started out as napitation, because every time I would meditate, I would fall asleep. Um, what what I do, I, I was taught a very formalized kind of meditation, and the, the Reader's Digest version of that is that I uh, check in to my body, and I find the most tense part of me. And then I check in, and I find the most, the, the loosest part of me, and I just go back and forth. And just notice what's different about those two. Um, and notice my breath and notice how that's changing. And that's my experience with that part of step 11, with the meditation part of step 11. Regarding God's will for me and, you know, the power to carry that out, I mean, I guess, you know, this year I just realized I, I, I don't know. Okay, I, I don't know what it is and I don't know why it is, but I'm just going to have to keep on doing, you know, what the experience, strength, and hope of others and trust that God is holding me. And um, so... Do you feel your sexuality and food were mm. in your life before you felt? Did I feel my sexuality and food? I'm not, I'm not sure. Rather than a companionship? Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Did, was, was food my partner? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I've never had a Snickers bar abandon me. I haven't. Um, I, I, I've yet to see it. If you see it anywhere, but, but I mean, and, and, and humor aside, absolutely. I, I, food kept me really shut down. It kept me busy. It, it was my Saturday night date. It was all of those things. And um, I think part also of what's kept me abstinent 
is that I'm in a relationship with another human being, actually, and not just with food, and not, and that in order to continue to be present and do my half of the relationship, I have to continue to do what I do that helps me stay clean and sober with food. So, yeah. Thank you, Corey. Have you gone through many changes over the years, like what to eat? Because I'm struggling with that. So lately I read a nutrition book, and I know certain plants, and I'm trying to do that. You know, it's not about the food, but it is the food. And, and, and I, I just struggle with what to eat and, you know, trying to not eat so much meat, and, you know, different things. And Yeah, absolutely I have. I, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, my experience and what I tell my sponsees now is, to, to seek a professional in that area because I, I needed somebody to tell me here's what a meal looks like and here's what it should contain. It took me a long time before I realized that when I eat wheat, like in any form, um, I seem to be okay with other kinds of grains, but when I eat wheat, I typically wake up the next morning like I've been hit by a truck. And, and that took me a long time to realize that. Or when I eat dairy, the same thing happens. And so at some point along the line, I started realizing that if I eat those things, I'm going to feel that way. So if I want to eat those things, I'm going to feel that way, you know. So so that shifted for me. I mean, not that they're completely out, but I, it's so rare that I eat them that I really – and I think there are other things that I brought back into my life. You know, I used to be really rigid about certain things, sort of the anorexic side, and um, something had to be very low fat or it really scared me. And now, not so much. You know, I mean, I still look at those things because it's important, but – I don't know, but I, I seem to, I'm less um, sort of hyper-focused on food and just sort of more aware of what makes me feel better. Thank you for, thank you for your share. You said that you've gotten really quite a lot better at being uncomfortable. Could you talk specifically about that, like in feeling uncomfortable, in the extreme? What would you do for the 60 seconds? How would you get through it? It's a great question. The question is, what do you do? How do you get through extreme discomfort? Well, I'll tell you, I was there today. And I think what I, what, well, what I did today, which is probably what I do pretty often, is just sort of notice that I was uncomfortable. I was really uncomfortable today, and I thought, well, I am really uncomfortable. And I sort of thought it through. Like, I could eat over this. I might take it away for a moment, but is it going to make me any less uncomfortable in an hour? I, I mean, I think that's kind of where I was today. There's so many family things happening right now as a result of last year that there, there's always somebody who feels differently about things than I do, which is not great for me. And it makes me very, very, very uncomfortable. And I think, you know, I, I just, um, I work my tools I, and, and I get to a meeting and I talk about it and share about it. And also, I, someone a long time ago reminded me that it's really dignified to let somebody have their opinion if it's different than mine. And so today, that went through my mind. Was, you know, there's, there's a lot of dignity in that. And I want to be somebody who's seen as dignified. And so I, how would a dignified woman walk through this? She probably would just feel uncomfortable and share about it. So I don't, I mean, that doesn't really, it's not really a how-to manual, but that's sort of what I did today. I think just sort of noticing it and honoring it and being with it, you know. That the restricting popped up when I stopped compulsively overeating. I did actually. I mean, I'll just tell you my story, which might be different than some of yours, but after being a diabetic for many years, I went on an insulin pump. And the cool thing about being on an insulin pump is that 
if I if I want to eat, I can dial in some insulin to cover the carbs. And if I don't want to eat, I don't have to. So the first time in my life since I was nine, I got to find out that I could skip three meals in a row if I wanted to, and and I wouldn't, my blood sugar wouldn't crash. And there's something there became a real high for me off of that. Like I just, and and so in doing that, then I started to go through all of the things like being afraid of food and. And, and I think it, you know, it didn't come right on the heels for me of getting abstinent from compulsive overeating, but it definitely came in at some point in my compulsive overeating story. And, and the way I, you know, worked with that was the same way that I worked with overeating. Although it was trickier because I never felt powerful as a compulsive overeater. I felt like crap. As, as a, somebody who was starving and my stomach was flat, I felt such a sense of power that I, that became a drug for me that I also had to give to God. So, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question, but we can talk more later if you want. Oh, is it time? Oh, thank you. And if you could press my picture.